Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording from our 2021 Passover Prep Learning Series. It's so good to see you here, and I'm so glad that you're interested in the music of Passover. This is going to be the first of three, which uh, I will be teaching um, three in a row, three weeks in a row of music of Passover. Um, and then there will be one which if features and focuses on the music of the Seder, which Rabbi Kligfeld will be teaching. So yay for that. And that will be a little bit uh, additional. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to mute you all, not because I don't love you, but because I want people to also enjoy this on the podcast. And I want you to feel free to hum along and participate in this and enjoy this uh, to great lengths. So the music of Passover that I imagine you all know very well is the music of the Seder. And that is going to be the last one, which I left to Rabbi Kligfeld um, to get to know and to enjoy. And I wanted us to explore different depths and different lengths of Passover music. So this is going to be like kind of a digital concert-like uh, exploration of um, of Pesach music, right? It's basically going to be a listening room and experience, and we'll talk about it, chat about it together. Um, we'll explore music in different languages and performed in very different forms and formats. We're going to make our way um, a little bit chronologically, not exactly, but mostly we're going to wind up today at the contemporary. Okay, so by the time we get to about six o'clock tonight, the idea is that we'll wind up at much more contemporary music. And for the most part, we're going to start with the less contemporary music, a little bit of an exception, because I want us to look side by side at a couple of pieces for comparison together. Some of the things are just listening, but a few of the things are also videos. So the first thing that we're going to look at together in just a moment is a piece um, of Dayenu. So what's Dayenu? Now, I just told you that we weren't going to look at music of the Seder, right? But I do want us actually to look at a little bit at music of the Seder that's taken out of context and done as kind of fun pieces um, in different formats and forms. So this is um, a people's choir. Um, I happen to know some people back in my cantorial school experiences who performed in this particular people's choir that was meeting, I think at the time in Brooklyn. Um, and it is a Yiddish language choir that did a great arrangement of Dainu that I think is fun and funny. And we're going to listen to at least a little bit of it. We won't watch or listen to ev all of every video, but we're going to watch and listen to a little bit of this one. So here we go. I'm going to stop it there and stop the screen share for the moment. Uh, friends, I'd love to ask a question. And if you want to answer, you can answer in the chat, but it's more fun if you unmute yourselves to answer the questions. What makes this Dayenu 
different in both obvious and less obvious ways than the Dayenu that we sing at a Seder table? Well, for one thing, the rhythm is is different. It's a modern rhythm. Fan- fantastic. What what kind of a rhythm is it, if we want to get technical, Gabriella? Uh, it's like a New York type of rhythm. It's it's a little bit like a Gershwin type of rhythm. Syncopated. Very, very good. Thank you. Carl. Very good. And Gershwin is, Gershwin is right on. Uh, right. That would be like, a, oh, that's the white Jewish man version of, of, of syncopated. But yes, syncopated rhythm. Correct. Um, and so syncopated is a way of speaking about the way that the rhythm was at the beginning. I wanted to play it all the way through to where we uh, heard because there was actually a, a point right before I stopped where the syncopation stopped both in the piano and the voice and they sang it straight for a moment which is very interesting so we could hear it classically on the beat on on the four die die new that was the key they were singing in instead of die die new right that's the syncopated and then they sang die die new on the four so that was one thing thank you gabriella that you're absolutely right it was syncopated what else makes it different in yeah. obvious and less obvious ways. Nobody was off key. <laughs> no one was off key. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's at least one off key member of that choir. But yes, it, it, um, it was a professional four part harmony choir, right? You don't normally have that at a table. Um, it, I mean, I'm trying to raise my children to sing as a professional four part harmony choir, but we've got some training to go. So uh, most tables don't don't have that, right? And um and that's a great point. So you've got you've got it actually musically arranged. You've also by the way got a musical instrument, right? The what's interesting about any of this music starting from this very first selection is this the seder takes place on Yom Tov. So anytime you have music that's accompanied with an instrument. It's like an interesting departure and exploration because if that didn't ha- that doesn't happen at an observant Pesach Seder naturally. Although maybe you do have Sidarim who maybe maybe you all celebrate and have instruments at your table and no judgment that that might be very a very important part of your celebrations, but classically observant Jews would not have had that at their table. What else makes it different? Language is different. Only Norm understood it. <laughs> right. Norm, maybe maybe Renee caught some of it. I don't know if... Benita, do you speak? Bonnie, do you, do you speak? I, I got those words from Carl, so don't don't credit me. Okay, okay, okay. So Carl, what, if you say... I didn't know that. I'm sorry, Carl. That's why I didn't respond. It's not abnormal at my Seder to sing it in Yiddish. That's whatever you want. Okay, okay, okay. All right. And I... Couldn't understand. I, it was a little frustrating for me because with a choir, it's hard to understand the words, except for Dayeno. And I, that I would have, you know, you could have understood maybe in Yiddish. I figured it'd be Shoingenok or Shoingenok, something like that. But uh, I couldn't understand the words, and I would have loved to have them. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I will send you, I have this whole presentation clickable for everybody at the end so I can send it to you and you can click on it and you can read through the words afterwards so that you can look at this and you can find all of this published music and then you can read through. It'll be, hopefully that'll be a nice, fun, extra exploration. But I agree with you, that's more fun. So the language too is very interesting. This isn't going to be the only language we see that's different. And I think this is not even the most interesting different language we'll see. But so important. Okay, these are all interesting differences. I could spend all night talking about this. I don't want to though, because I have all these other songs I want to share with you. So can we move on to the next song? Fantastic. All right. So we're going to move on to the next song. Um, great. Um, the next song is also Dainu. Don't get mad at me. Okay. We're not going to be on Dainu all night. Uh, that's a Dainu joke, right? Enough. Because Dainu means enough. (laughs) Everyone on listening to the podcast is laughing. They're very hard. Um, the next Dainu though is, is written, um, by a teacher of mine, Hazan Gerald Cohen, 
He is a cantor in New Jersey, a professor at the Jewish Theological Seminary, and an incredible composer, and often composes for both Zamir Chorale and Hazamir, which is the younger, uh, the high school and, and children's um, uh, choir level. They have um, eighth graders and, and up uh, nationally. He often composes and has his music sung by uh, those groups. And he wrote this beautiful Dainu, which I, I first sang when I was in the choir at JTS. And he writes modern art song, right? So that's what Gerald Cohen writes. So I encourage you to check this out. So here we go. Let's try that one more time. So that's Gerald who wrote the piece on the piano playing his piano part. Okay. The conductor is Joel Kaplan, cantor Joel Kaplan, who is the cantor where Rabbi Ari Lucas currently is. Okay. So, and he's also a teacher of mine. And the guy sitting right behind him is cantor Alan Mason, who's an amazing pianist and not cantor, sorry, pianist Alan Mason, who uh, is just an amazing musician and, and composer and works with Hazemir Corral as well. We'll play just a few more seconds. Okay, what are your thoughts about that piece? What are your impressions of it? Have you ever heard anything like it? What are your thoughts? Sounds totally classical. Like you're playing a, a classical piece of music. <clears throat> Beautiful. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. Didn't, were you on mute to say something? Mm-hmm. I loved it. Great. It's very classic, like, choral chamber music like it sounds like it comes out of a choir great what what does this piece have in common with the other piece or with dainu classically nothing i like that answer esther nothing (laughs) lots of of dainu repetitions yes playing with the length and tone of the syllables yes yes okay so that's what i wanted to hone in on really with with this is that it kind of doesn't matter when or where or who is writing Dainu. Everyone seems to be very clear on the fact that the point of Dainu is to say Dainu, 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 which is funny and ironic and also is the point of the poem, right? 
to say Dainu, 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 and to repeat it and to play with it and to play with that word. And all of these different versions of Dainu, the one we know, this Yiddish version, this art song, new version, all of it plays with that, right? And to play with the word Dainu, and that's how you know it's a Dainu song. Okay, we're going to leave that aside because it's already 524 and I have so much more to share with you. So we're going to pause on the Dainu and move on to new music all uh, together. So um, next, I'm not even, I just realized I'm not even um, uh, sharing with you um, the, the slides as I'm going through it. I'll share with you here. Let me just show you so you can see I've got this whole slideshow going. I could have just been sharing it with you the whole time, but I'll share with you the slides afterwards. You can click on them. Okay. But the next place we're going is to Chadgadia. Okay. Chadgadia from the end of the Seder also, but it's from the extraneous songs that can be done at any time. We can put it in the category of Reshut, of poetry that can be done at any time in the Haggadah. It's not part of the Magid. It's not part of the storytelling portion. You can do it at any time. And so, you know, second night Seder, when you need to start kind of late, you can do it kind of at um, a later point, a later time. Chadgadia is a story course, right? It's actually a story. And it's a story in a poem. And um, I forget what this is exactly called. I should have looked it up ahead of time. But it's actually a classic form of a of a poem or a story. Maybe Varid knows and she'll pop in and tell me but it's like a classic form of a story in which, you know, sort of this progressive thing happens. It's the same as like there, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly, right? There's like a classic story to literary form like this, right? So Hadgadya is the story of the of the, you know, there was a goat and all of these things progressively happen um, because of this goat that was bought for to Zuzim. Okay? Hadgadya, Hadgadya. Um and uh, we're gonna listen and, and see a version of this that's written and delivered in Hebrew and Arabic by the Rana choir, which is a women's choir. Right, so this one is the most kind of like out there thing that I'm bringing to you, and I'm very excited about it. Notice we went back and forth with the chorus in Aramaic to a Hebrew soloist, and now we're going into Arabic. Okay, that's all I'm going to share of that because it's extremely repetitive and it just goes like that all the way through. But going back and forth between the languages, what are your impressions of that? I liked it. Okay, what well, makes it like the fact that it was balanced? It was so it was really sing songy, kind of. I don't know, it reminded me a little bit of a like a song I would sing, Rafi, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it is actually very accessible as a melody. Surprisingly, I feel like I could pick it up. It, it doesn't feel either discernibly Sephardic or Ashkenazi. It feels like it could be delivered either way. Interestingly, yeah. But it does sound Western, tuneful, singable to us. Not uh, what I would stereotypically associated with Arab music, which is not our tonality. 
Correct. I don't hear in there a whole lot of quarter tones, but also they could be happening and I'm just missing them. But I agree with you, Carl, that it does seem to have a total Western tonality to it. Um, and that makes it feel accessible to me. Yeah. Good. Any other thoughts about what, about this choice? Actually, I don't know if you noticed this. It's Erev Yom Hazikaron in Tel Aviv when this is being done, performed by Arab and Israel and Arab Israeli and, and uh, Jewish Israeli women. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't get that. I'm sure there's a context to the concert that I don't have the full story of. But it, between it the was two, very encouraging. Yeah, it. I feel like it's an accessible story being told. Gabriella looks like she has something to say yeah, on that. I, I just want to say that hot God, yeah, hot God, yeah, it's a major tone. Whereas this was more in a minor. Yeah, it it's definitely in a it's in a it's in the natural minor mode. Uh, so that's straightforward minor mode that we're used to hearing exactly as a for, as opposed to that other one. And we're about to hear yet another Chad Gadia in just a moment. That's totally different, Barbara. Yeah. Between the two, they weren't as different as when you listen to Ashkenazi uh, or um, Torah reading or Arabic Sephardi-type Torah reading, yeah. which are totally different. And you'd wonder how these two came about to be Jewish and in the same synagogue. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. Um, it, it does sound, you know, um, it, it does sound very familiar. And um, and even though it's clearly a modern composition, it's an excessively modern um, composition and also feels classically Israeli. Um, good. Now... We're going to have a little fun with something very different, and we're going to play with what is um, what is coming out in in this recording. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to have us listen to it. So here we go. It is also Echad Gadya. That's the only thing I'm going to say about it, okay, that it's also Echad Gadya. I guess I'll say one other thing about it, which is that it features my teacher's. Because of that, we, we'd like to do a little Pesach ditty for you that's also by the same guy who wrote this, Yom Ravila. That's correct. It's Moshe Isher. And um, we'd like you to join us, but just don't try this at home because, after all, we are professionals. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the other hand, after you hear us, you may say, well, we can do that. All right, so let's go. Chad Gad here. Thank you so very much, and that'll be enough for you tonight. <laughs> okay, now you do it. Ready? of the old like Yiddish uh, shtick chazanas that my parents used to listen to when I was a kid. 
Uh-huh. 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 Okay. So who are those two guys? Anyone recognize no, them? No, but they're very funny. Hazan Mizrahi. Yeah. Who's now. Oh, no. He's not in. He. Yeah. I don't remember where he is anymore. So he is. Uh, he's he's wonderful. So Hazan Mizrahi is retiring from Anshe Emmet in Chicago. He's just now retiring from there. Uh-huh. Uh, former president of the Cantor's Assembly. Um, and that is Jackie Mendelssohn. Okay. Hazan Jack Mendelssohn, who is truly one of the greats. He has two movies made about him. A Cantor's Head and now A Cantor's Tale just came out, which is very funny. Um, no, Cantor's Tale and A Cantor's Head is the second one. Um, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, um, they're both great documentaries about him. He is, uh, really one of the last surviving of his kind that he's the one on the right as we're looking at it. Um, and, uh, that's Moisha Oisher's version of Khadgadia. It is participatory in its own way, right? And you can kind of do it in your own way, but it leaves space for someone to kind of do their thing as well. Uh, yeah, Jackie, it's my favorite too. And, and you can do it like at your table and, but you need somebody who can do that part, part of it. Um, it, you know, it it just, it's, it's like, it's so extra playful. Um, and I, I love it because I think just go to go back to it, thinking about the contrast between the version we were looking at in the choir version and that think about what it does to that story, right? Imagine the there was an old lady who swallowed a fly, but done like that, right? Now you've got like the story of the goat elevated to that drama. I love it, right? But is it really about the story anymore? Not really. It's just about the fun and the playfulness. And it's the end of the Seder. You've had how many cups of wine have you had by the time you get to that, right? It's a lot. Um, it's, yeah, just, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's 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 a... It's comedy, and you know exactly. It's comedy, and it's Yiddishkeit comedy. So it's it's very funny. It's very funny stuff. Okay, you ready for our next thing? We're gonna move on to something else and something new. Oh boy. Okay, I just closed whatever window I was looking at. I closed it because I made it big, and then it closed. Hang on. Okay. Um. So we're gonna go to the next thing. Um. Uh, am I gonna do the? Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. How many things do we have time for? Okay, uh, I'm gonna skip over something. I'm, we're gonna do a little something um, that's very different. Um, I I just um, I did a little bit of learning about some very. Um, di- oh yeah, it, it might have been. This was from 2016. It might have been a part of that program norm, though. It was very. It could. It could have very well been. Um, uh, we're going to take a look at something um, quite different, which is something without words, right? Pesach music without words. That's all I'm going to say for a moment. So let's take a listen. In 2000, the Milken Archive of American Jewish Music recorded Ernst Talks cantata of the bitter herbs with the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra and Chorus. Tuch's work, The Cantata of the Bitter Herbs, is a little different than some of his other works in that it is a more romantic um, and um, in many cases a more derivative and lush style.
Although Cantata of the Bitter Herbs is based on the Passover Haggadah, Talk composed the piece to transcend the confines of Jewish history by illustrating the injustice of all human oppression throughout the world. Okay, what do you think of the idea of someone writing a cantata based on Pesach? Inspired, weird? Remind me of Yom Kippur. <laughs> I, I, what I really like the idea of a cantata based on aspects of the post of the Passover Seder. I think that's really, really exciting. When the announcer said, this is representative of all of human oppression, my sarcastic comment was, oh, that's easy to do in one piece of music. Sure. <laughs> but when you base it on the one thing, then you begin to have Jewish um experts in Jewish music pick it apart to find the little Jewish tropes in it, right? All throughout it. And if this were a full course just on Tuch and, and the Cantata, we would be picking it apart to see where he has little Jewish flavors all throughout. Uh, but it's not. I want to show you also um, a completely different take um, and how other styles can, um, you know, um, use Passover as kind of an informing style to say, oh, what if we took Passover and use that as the basis for doing a something, right? But we used it to inform for not just a cantata, but say, what if we used it to inform a folly, right? Okay, so I want us to take a look at that as well. And I, I really have to thank the um, the Milken Archives for a couple of these. They really are amazing. Uh, I work very, very closely, <clears throat> pardon me, with Dr. Mark Kligman. Um, and uh, it, I've, I've become very close with him over the past few years. And I want to congratulate him because UCLA has successfully worked with the Milken family to establish a center for Jewish music just this spring at UCLA, which is the first in the country at a university that's a center for Jewish music study. And it's extraordinary. So he was the first Jewish music chair in the country, but now they have a Jewish music center. Uh, it, it really is quite the, the accomplishment. I, I'm proud of it. And I think it's awesome. And par partially what the Milken family has funded um, has made what we're doing right now possible right? in doing these recordings and doing this research. So let me share now this other thing with you. It's hysterical. I hope you have fun with it. Pesach Zeit ist freilich, der Jied ist an der Meilich. Er sitzt sich mit seinem Malke, wo es geputzt ganz nett. Bamseide mit Charoises, mit Wein, mit Arbeitkäuses, den Malke hebt die Schüssel, häufen Hesse Bett. Glücklich ist der Meilich auf der Welt, er schmeichelt zu dem Malke und er quält Amalka Mit jönt im dicke Kleidlich und mit Kremslich und mit Kneidlich. Amalka Pesach ist die beste Sache. Nun, hört sich ein Masse, was hat passiert mit manchen Kosen. Hört, was für ein Masel er hat, ein Bruch ist zu meinen Juden. Genug gewesen Single, gekauft am Marriage-Ringel, gegangen zu der Chippe mit der Mädel Schenk. Sich angefixt auf Lettl, a Tisch, a Lunge, a Bettel. In Pinto, wäre auf Pesach, ist Tage durchgewähnt. Auf morgen zu der Chippe herzlich an, bringt sie immer Zwilling von ihr ersten Mann. Ai, 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 oi, 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 Malka Pesach, sie sind Wind und Weh, du Sweisach. Amalke, wie all'alte, mit kleinen Prinzen lacht. 
Do you hear that joke in there, the Manishtana? That's such a clever joke. I'll let it finish, okay. Only one of several. Yes. Oh, boy. The Yiddish was cr- a crack of. It, it, it's a great illustration of <laughs> the limits of translation. I mean, yes, they told you what the words meant, but I, you didn't get the the synchronization of the pronunciation and the emphasis and the tom of the Yiddish word was like 100% better than the English. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I yeah, agree. for sure. It is... Tom. You have to have the tom, right? It's so funny. It, it is such a funny piece and so clever. And I think it's so clever that they did... Um, that to use Pesach as the basis for like for a folly like this, right? It's just it's such a clever basis for a piece because like what's funnier than oh this is funny my cat's whiskers are on the screen. Um, what's funnier than like Pesach for 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 a joking if not wildly misogynistic uh, piece? Um, so uh, <laughs> and the words that they didn't translate also. Yes. Also, yes. The English, the English words that they didn't translate into Yiddish, but right, they the used single. English. Exactly. So princess. He has exactly. actually done several comedy songs with the same Barcelona orchestra that I've seen at Yiddish programs. Huh. Yeah. Can you send us the link for that entire piece? Yeah, of course. It's in the presentation. I'm going to give you everything. Oh, I promise. Great. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So. Let's do a few more. We only, we're going to run out of time if I don't go on to the other things. But I wanted to bring you the music that you wouldn't find on your own, okay? You guys can Google funny Pesach songs on your own, but I wanted you to find, I really wanted to bring you what you might not find on your own. So I want to give you a few more. Um, uh, okay, here we go. So um, I keep making it full screen and then it's hard for me to find again. Um, here we go. So... I, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to run out of time to show you everything. I want to, I'll show you snippets of the last five things that I've got here and I won't play all the way through them. So here we go. Um, this one is, uh, just very special. So I want to show you just a tiny piece of it. I just want you to know it exists. In 2001, the Milken Archive traveled to Ann Arbor, Michigan to record excerpts of David Amram's one-act opera, The Final Ingredient, performed by the University of Michigan Opera Chorus and Orchestra, with Kenneth Kiesler conducting. Long considered a renaissance man of American music, David Amram has been a lifelong champion of world music and has collaborated with such cultural icons as Leonard Bernstein, Joseph Papp, and Jack Kerouac. He wrote the final ingredient in 1965 on commission from ABC Television. It was based on a story by Reginald Rose, originally done for television as a drama of a true story of a group of people in the Holocaust at a concentration camp who decided that they wanted to celebrate Passover service somehow. All the different ingredients were taken from... So I just want you to know that that exists out there. I think it's a fascinating and extraordinary thing to explore. It's actually not that great recording on there, but the recording exists of David Amram's work, and it's an English language work, and it's an opera. So it it is an extraordinary thing. Okay. Um, But enough of that and of that obscure music. And I want to share with you something else. I just don't know if you know this, but I want to share this with you. I want to move into the more contemporary pieces. We'll look at four together. And uh, I want to share with you first a Yaakov Shweki piece. Okay, I just happen to love it so much I couldn't skip over it. Um, And this just speaks to the popularity that... um... That face that is usually covered by her phone. 
the popularity of Israeli um, artists and their ability to popularize liturgical pieces uh, by creating contemporary settings of them. They don't only do this at Pesach, but Shweki particularly was able to do this with this one piece from Pesach. So I'll play a, just a small piece. And what I want you to hear is how well the audience knows it in the few first seconds of it. It's very popular in Israel. I don't know if you know it. We sing it at our table. Uh, uh, And um, I love how popular it has gotten there. I think that's very cool. I think it's cool. It's it's pretty popular in Israel. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Now I want to share with you an Eliyahu Hanavi that I love, that I was just at the program that may be late for this program. I was singing with my friend Yosef Goldman, who's an amazing artist. He's a rabbi, married to another rabbi, Annie, and he wrote this. He came out for uh, Kol Tefillah last year, so just about a year and change ago. Uh, and he wrote this amazing Eliyahu Hanavi, and he sings it with her. So I want you to hear this. Because, you know, Eliyahu Navi, right? And I want you to enjoy a little bit of this. Just a few seconds. That's Eliyahu Hanavi, which I love, and we sometimes sing that. Eliyahu Hanavi, super easy to pick up on. And I want to point out to you that if you're watching the video, but you can't see if you're listening to this on the podcast, you'll catch 
that the folks who are in this are Deborah Saxmans, who was just with us for a concert. This is Micah Shapiro, who wrote Yismichu Hashamayim, which we sing all the time on Friday nights here, Rabbi Micah Shapiro. And this is Hava Miral, who was out with us a year ago as well. Right at uh, at Cold Tefila. So all part of that same circle. This is a recording with the Hadar's Rising Song Institute. Um, so two more songs to share with you. Very exciting. Oh, maybe three more to share with you. Okay, so um, this one I just want to share with you. I took out of the Dayenu lineup, but it really belonged in the Dayenu lineup. So sorry, I took it out of there. But I wanted to share with you one English language song. Ilana Jagoda was with us last year at Coltafila as well. Um, no relation to the other Jagoda who some people know of. Um, but um, Alana is um, an amazing songwriter and sometimes does really great stuff with English, like English language that I think is worth appreciating. Um, and this is her take on Dainu. And I'm just going to sh- I, I can share the screen as well, even though it's just audio. There you go. funniest part is of that it's the same thing as Dayenu it would have been enough it would have been enough it's just repeating the Dayenu part too it's like we all know that's the part that needs to be done right uh it has to be repeated again and again we're going to end with two versions of Avadim Hayinu and the first one you're going to recognize the family that's featured in it but maybe not the songwriter because it's not the person who you would expect so let's see if you recognize who it is other shots all the other shots and all, all of, of her them. brothers exactly and her dad and her dad yeah and that's jacob who wrote it um and uh yeah they're all very talented okay here's one last song for you so that was the shots version of avadim hayinu i've got one last one for you to share that's a real uh that's a real treat one and we'll end on this and then i will share with you the links that you can enjoy this uh all the music from it this is alana arian and noah aronson who have also both been with us as artists in our community and it's partially i wanted to feature lots of music of the artists who have been with us before uh, and this song is just gorgeous it's called yetsa me meets rhyme and it's a great one to end with here we go <laughs> Oh, 
you to do lots of listening to all of this Passover music. I really, really, really hope that you enjoyed this tour through the many different types of Passover songs that exist out there. It was a whirlwind tour through it. I know that that, uh, there are so many more pieces of music we could have possibly explored together. I'm putting a link in a chat and the link will also be up in the podcast show notes when we put this out as a podcast. So you can access it again there on our website or wherever else you get our podcasts as well. Um, But that's the one that I just the link that I just put in the chat is a way that you can click on it. You can just open that up in a browser or you can email me later and I'm happy to give it to you. You can get links to all of these different um, songs there and you can always ask me for more suggestions. And thank you for joining me tonight. It was a pleasure to have all of you here and I applaud all of you for spending time preparing for Pesach uh, this way and all the other ways you are as well. So thank you for being here. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.